0: We're going to get started and uh, so I can go fast, okay? <laughs> Philippians Philippians chapter number three. Uh, I Hopefully you had a good new year. Hopefully you had a good Christmas. And uh, now we're going to put our noses back to the grindstone and just kind of think about some things here. As we begin the new year, and uh, as we, this morning, we um, I started, I didn't intend to do this, but then after I did the message before Christmas, and I was like, somebody said, well, let's look at the other three. I'm like, so now we're looking at the other three. But in the book of Philippians, Philippians, uh, it is a book of correction. And, and you know, it's, it's wonderful. In, Paul, in, Paul, every, in Paul's 13 epistles, all of the epistles are doctrine, okay? All of them are they have doctrine with an intent to do some specific things. You take Romans, you have the doctrine about the cross, about, the great, about my gospel, and the issues of grace. Corinthians and Galatians come in, and they are the perfect commentaries to the book of Romans. You don't need to buy them at the bookstore. Okay. What Corinthians does, it says, okay, we're going to correct some bad behavior because you're not operating in the doctrine of Romans, your identity doctrines. So here's how you correct this behavior. So what does he give you? Doctrine to correct that bad behavior. Then in Galatians, he says, okay, we have to correct some bad doctrine because you're not living in the, the grace doctrine. You've mixed it with some law and legalism, so now we've got to fix that. Ephesians comes along, and now we're going to talk about the next step, preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. Now he says, here's what God's doing. Why is God forming the body of Christ? That's what Ephesians is all about. Philippians, Colossians come along, and Philippians says, okay, you got some bad behavior about that doctrine, about the goal over here, the church, the body of Christ as a whole, so let's fix that. Colossians says, you guys have trouble in some doctrinal areas because you're not holding the head that you should have learned about in the book of Ephesians. Here's the doctrine to fix that. It's in the book of Colossians that you learn of the fourfold attack against you by the adversary. That's doctrine. In Philippians, he comes along and says, listen, if you don't want to be terrified by your adversaries, if you don't want to always be in an emotional turmoil, Jesus Christ is the answer. Chapter 1, verse 27. I'm sorry, 121. Look real quick. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For to me, to Paul, to you and to I, to live is what? Christ, and to die again. He, become, he is our mindset, isn't he? He's our life. That's what 121 is talking about. He, Christ is our life. Chapter 2, verse 5, where we were last week. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, he's our mindset. He's how we're going to think about it. And I tried to tell you last week, man, when you begin to think about stuff, think like he would think about it. He's the original grace thinker. He esteemed others better than himself. Here he is, verse 6, 7, and 8. He's God. And he says, you know what? God the Father said, God the Son, I need you to go do some things. God the Holy Spirit's the witness of it. And what I need you to do is you're going to go down there and you're going to die for a group of people down there that I'm going to raise up, be in you, and they're going to represent me in the heavenly places out there. And we're going to call it the church, the body of Christ. And you know what the son said? Hold on a minute. Let me check my calendar. Hang on a minute. Let me get the phone out and see where I... No, he says, let it be. Let's do it. Sounds like a wonderful plan. Holy Spirit says, yeah, I'm on board. You don't even have to ask me twice. You see? He's our mind, he's thinking, how do we think about this? Then you come over to chapter 4, chapter 4, which where we'll be next week, verse 13. I can do all things through who? Through Christ, which strengthens me. He's going to be our strength to carry on and to do. And we'll look at this passage as where it sits in its context and not where religion takes you. This morning we're in chapter 3, and verse number 10. So let's read 3.10, and then we'll go talk about it. Three verse ten, Because this morning we're going to talk about Christ, our goal. What's your goals this year? You got a new year going? It was interesting. Uh, Emily, she, at her job, she has to go in now and sit and, and set her goals for the year. You know, I, they love to do that stuff, you know. And Daniel, one of them, did. they're looking at me like I'm nuts. One of them was telling me about it. Do you sit down for your, your review? I know this happens at, with Linda, okay? <laughs> you sit down with your review, and did you meet your goals? Well, what's your goal for the next year? Who's your goal? What's going on? Things happen. Things in life. Folks, if you don't have a direction in which way you're going, you'll never know if you got there. you got to have some goals. The Apostle Paul here, verse 10, he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. You know what Paul says? You know what my goal is? I want to know him. That's my goal. He's my goal. He's the one that I won't be content with what I did this year unless I know him. Now, when Paul writes Philippians, he's not a new believer. <laughs> Come back up in the chapter. By the way, verse 10 has, is in, sits in the middle of a, of a wonderful context about what Paul's talking about here in Philippians 3 with the Philippians. So we're going to draw on that. He, if, he, if I want to know him, and he's my focus, he's my goal, then what am I trusting in? See, that's where Paul's getting at with the Philippians, because they're trusting in themselves. Look at verse 3. Philippians 3, 3. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the what? You see, the Philippians were having confidence in their flesh. They can do it in their own strength, in their own energy, in their own thinking. Now, Paul's been debunking that. That's wrong. No, it's where? It's in Christ. Though I might, verse 4, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. You see, the context of verse 10 and, and and so forth is sitting here talking about having confidence in the flesh and not and having confidence in the flesh versus not having confidence in the flesh. If I can say it like that, okay? Alabama. Versus Michigan. (laughs) Don't get me started. Okay? Verse 7. I'm sorry, verse 4. Though I might also have confidence in the what? Now, watch Paul lay out his religious confidence. Because what does religion tell you? What do people out there tell you? Hey, you gotta have confidence in what? Your flesh. You see, folks, religion, the law, is designed to satisfy the lust of your flesh. If you give me something to do, preacher, then I can get it done and I'll feel good about what I did. The problem is, is you don't do it right. You fail. You drop the ball. Paul says, you want to run this religious flesh test up here? Let's do it. Verse 4. If any other man think that he whereof he might trust in the flesh, i more. Paul's going to roll out his credentials here. Watch him. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of, ooh, that, that Benjamin tribe. The youngest of the boys. The one that sits over there and Joseph says, you guys can all go back to dad, but that boy right there is mine. He stays with me. Benjamin, the baby. You know what happens to the babies in the family, right? You know, yeah, the youngest—they're the spoiled, rotten ones. You know, the oldest—I was the oldest—the targets beat out of us. The middle child sees that and kind of figures out how to escape, and the young one says, "Well, it didn't work on those two; it ain't gonna work on me. So I must be darling. <laughs> no, whack! Huh? I got three of them." What does Paul say? Hey, I'm of that precious tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee. You know, a Pharisee, he is the fundamental Bible-believing Jew. When that book says it, that's what it is. A Pharisee believes in the resurrection of the dead, believes in the angels, believes in all of of the fundamentals of the faith. Man, I'm on it. A Hebrew of the Hebrews. Man, when that book said jump, I ask how high? Because what am I gonna do? I'm gonna jump. You see, Paul says, man, as touching the law a what? A Pharisee. Man, when it came to fundamental Bible-believing Jew, I'm it. And there's nothing you're doing that I don't do better or can't do better. If you can do it, I can do it better. Concerning circumcised the eighth day. Uh Uh-oh, he's right there, isn't he? It wasn't eighth and a half day. It wasn't the seventh and a half day. It wasn't day nine. It was day eight. Right when it's supposed to be. Verse 6. Concerning zeal persecuting the church i was zealous in my religion in galatians 1 he says in the jews religion i profited above mine equal i was leading man when they put up the the bonus chart my name was at the top i won the trips to hawaii every year i was leading the rebellion when they brought in the new recruits they would say saul you go and mentor them you're the guy, man. You're the trainer. You are our hero. He said, Man, concerning zeal, there's nobody touching me. I was leading the rebellion, persecuting the church. If anybody breathed Jesus of Nazareth, I heard about it. And before they could sneeze, I had them in chains and in jail. I was on it. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Oh, boy, that is a wonderful statement. Paul says, you see my pedigree, but man, when I broke the law, by the way, it doesn't say faultless. He says, when I broke the law, you know what I did? I did what was required to fix it, and I did it right then. I didn't wait. Jesus tells that guy, he he heals him and everything. He goes, now you got to go down there to the priest and you tell him to do what Moses requires to do for purification. Heal that leper. You know what that leper did? He went right then and did it. Paul says, man, when I broke the law, I was on top of it. I knew what was going on. I could quote them chapter and verse and book and title and was right there. You want to talk about flesh confidence, he had it. And he had it... above everything above all now watch verse seven but what things were gained to me hold on to here look over there at galatians 1 look at galatians 1 hold on to flip boy we're going how you going to do this year i've sat down i've already been thinking about it we Took a trip to the West Valley yesterday and spent some time with the Morgans and everything. On the way over there, Linda's like talking and she's like, did you hear me? I'm like, yeah, honey. (laughs) You know, I was and I was thinking about what's coming and and making, you know, short plans and a shorter brain type of thing. And figuring, hey, what do you do? You sit, you think that. What's your goal? Who's your goal? Galatians 1, Paul, verse number 11, he says, but I certify you, brethren that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion... How that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion above many mine equals. In mine own nation, being more exceeding zealous of the traditions of my fathers. He's a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He's a Pharisee. He knew what the traditions were. He, He sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He understood it all. And he says, man, I did that to profit. His 401K, his retirement plan, all that stuff, his money in the bank was, you think you got it? He was three times you. Oh, you know, I'm a billionaire. He is a quadruple billionaire, whatever that is. I don't know. He had it. He had them beat. He was so far ahead that the chief, he had to go to Damascus and demand the letters from the chief priest. They're trying to farm it out to the other guys because Paul's up the ladder so far popularity, money. Go back to Philippians 3. But those things that were gained to me. You see, at one point in Paul's life, all that was gained to him. All of that was profit. All of that meant something. All of that was important to him. Though I counted loss for Christ. Uh Uh-oh. Something happened. He says, man, you see this? We want to strut our feathers. I, we were out there, and we, uh, the tom turkeys are all got their feathers all up and everything. You know, I'm trying to take a picture because I want to use it for Facebook. And the goofy bird looked at me, and, went, and then he put them all down. I'm like, no, come on. And he put them all down. No, you know, he, he knew what it was doing. He knows what a camera looks like. I'm just kidding. He probably doesn't. But you know, it just a goofy bird, you know. But it was beautiful. I was like, eh, you know. The dog knew what the camera was for, so. He profited in it. But then he said, I counted it all for what? Loss. Something happened. Verse 8, Doubtless and I count all things but loss. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. You see, he had an attitude adjustment. He had a thinking, and what did it was the Lord on the road to Damascus <laughs> stopped him. He's up there, he's been to the chief elders and priests, he's got his letters, he's going down, he's ready to lay out Damascus and all this stuff, and he's on the road, and the Lord stops him, Acts chapter 9. He says, who are you, Lord? <laughs> and you know Paul's hope, Saul's hoping that he doesn't say Jesus of Nazareth. You know, please don't say Jesus. Please don't say Jesus. Moses were okay. Don't say Jesus. Don't You know what's funny though is he said, "Who art thou, Lord?" How would he know to call him Lord? He's a pharisee of the Pharisees, folks. He's a Hebrew of the Hebrews. he knows that book. He knows that the Lord's going to come back one day. He knows that's it's there. He just missed the first coming, didn't he? Yeah. I'm Jesus of Nazareth, and you know he just went, oh, doggone it. By the way, Acts nine is the first time that the in Scripture where the I am statement is complete. First time he said all through Moses. Who do I say sent me? I am sent you. I am that I am sent you. Jehovah, I am. Fill in the blank. You know what Paul says? I, what he says to Paul, say it right, <laughs> I am Jesus of Nazareth. First time the completed revelation is given, is given through who? The Apostle Paul. He completes the statement. It's fascinating. He says, you know what, though? I counted all that stuff back there in religion, gone. Now, we're in Philippians. According to the history books, the Bible handbooks, he's about been in the ministry about 35, maybe 40 years here. He's not a new chicken. He's not a new convert. He's rehashing for, for the Philippians here because they have a problem with having confidence in the what in the flesh. And he says, "You know what? I looked over there at that stuff that, that I thought was gain, religion. Traditions of the fathers. And you know what I did? I counted it all for loss. Verse 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for. Why did I count it loss? Why do I look at that stuff and just go call it dung? You know what dung is? That's the waste material that's after, left out, left there in the end. He says, I counted it all as just waste. Why? For the excellency of the what? Of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. You see, folks, I wanted to win Christ. And I wanted Christ to be my focus so that I could know him deeper, and deeper and deeper. The excellency of the not Excellency. Isn't that wonderful? You know, we all know stuff. You know, we all know useless information. You know? Don't you have I have a ton of it. Just ask me, I'll tell you nothing. <laughs> Some of you got it. Some of you did. Yeah, okay. You see, folks, Paul says. I counted all that for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them done that I may win Christ. That's the issue, folks. The issue isn't religion. The issue isn't being exalted in the day-to-day stuff of my flesh. The issue is that I may win Christ. Now, the winning Christ here has nothing to do with justification, because we're in Philippians. We're 40 years, 35 years into Paul's life as the apostle to the Gentiles. He's not talking about winning Christ in in the essence of getting saved. He's talking about winning Christ in the essence of life and living on a daily basis. And looking at life and succeeding in life, not by the measurement of the world, but by the measurement of the grace life, of what God's doing. Look at verse 9. And be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. There's my activity. There I am out performing and doing because I think I'm going to gain something and get, I already get the excellency of the all spiritual blessings. I've already been saved and sealed and, and set up there in heavenly places. That's what Ephesians has told me. I just got to go now live my life in that information. but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. You see, folks, my performance isn't the issue. Not my righteousness. My righteousness is nothing. That is is so far removed. The issue is him. The issue is his righteousness living. It's the faith of the of, of Christ. And the thing that consumes my heart, Paul is saying here, and I hope you can say, is Christ. He's my focus. He's the one that I'm looking forward to seeing and having and all of life be found in who I am in Christ. Not my righteousness, but his righteousness. But that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Verse 10, that I may know him. Wonderful statement here. That I might know him. Paul's looking, he says, listen guys, Christ is my mindset, he's my life, but he's also my focus. And all of life is to be found in Christ and rest in who I am in Christ. A wonderful statement here about the goal of Paul as an individual is in verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings. Three components there of life in Christ Jesus. Three things there to know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering. Come over, come, hold on here, and run back to Romans 8. Being made conformable unto his death. Isn't that conformable? In Romans 8, he has said this before. Romans 8 and verse number 29. Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformable to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Predestination has, always has a context to it. Destiny predetermined, predestinated. Here is to be conformed to the image of his dear son, isn't it? That, what would be the image of his dear son? He would be the firstborn among many. Firstborn, he's a firstborn from where? From the dead, right? This is talking about glory and resurrection. And I want to be conformable to that resurrection scenario. I want to be over there and look, and I want to see this issue about, you know what? In the end, it's just glory for me. That's what, where it ends. Now, when you come back to chapter 3 of Philippians, he says, I want to be made conformable unto his death. If Verse 11, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Here he's not talking about glory. Here he's talking about day-to-day living and life right now. He says, right now, you know what I want to do? I want to know him. And I want to know the power of his resurrection. And I want to know the sufferings. I want to be in the fellowship of his sufferings. I got, there's some things I want to pay attention to, understand, see. But I want to do it right now. Romans 8, that's glory. That's the future. But right now, in time. I want to know him. Let's just real quickly, look at the three. Just to get you to think about something. I want to know him. Well, how do you get to know someone? The him here obviously is Christ. So how do you get to know somebody? You have to spend time with them, don't you? You know, you're gonna you got that special someone. You're gonna thinking about, hmm, you might be interested in her or him. And you're okay so what do you do you spend some time don't you ah, we will see you next week <laughs> okay, no i'll see you later <laughs> right when linda and i were courting or dating or whatever we had to do it long distance i was in chicago she was here i'd come back weekend so or not and spend some time so we got to know each other through letters not email or texting we didn't have that back then <laughs> We had, I can remember the first cell phone. You remember those first cell phones in the bag? The bag phone was my first phone. Plugged it in. I didn't, I have no clue. You know who the first person was I called? Her. Then I got the bill. I didn't call her on that phone anymore. (laughs) I called her on the house phone. (laughs) I'll call you later, honey. (laughs) Click. Oh, that was 10 seconds. We're good. All right. You know, why? Because it was expensive. You didn't know, you know. What do you do? You spend some time. Hey, if you want to get to know the Lord, you know what you got to do? you got to spend some time with him. But you know what that means also? That the person you're spending time with has to do what? Talk to you. Reveal themselves to you. Intimacy. In-to-me-see. Think about that. If we're going to have an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what he has to do? He has to reveal Himself. Come over to Colossians chapter 1. He's got to let us know Him. Has God revealed Himself? Yes, He has. In the written Word of God, specifically, is what I'm talking about, okay? Let's get a little more specific in a King James Bible. Let's get even deeper. But look at Colossians 1. Look at verse 25. Wherefore, I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. Folks, Paul fulfills, completes the word of God, but what is he doing when he does it? He's revealing some information that was kept secret, didn't he? He's making, taking a secret message, and he's making it known. Verse 27, to whom God... That's the saints. By the way, his saints. I love that. Not the New Orleans saints, but his saints. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. There's the whole issue right there. He takes the written word of God so that he can reveal... He can make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery. He can come along and He can reveal to you the riches of who you are in Christ. And then He can take those riches and He can make them real to you. And you begin to get to know Him. And you begin to get to know those riches. Well, you read Ephesians one. We've been going through it on Tuesday night, and <clears throat> we've just been taking a verse at a, at a time. To know, to be accepted in the beloved. Boy, what did that beloved? I mean, you can spend years studying that term out. We don't on Tuesday night. <laughs> we talk about it and keep moving. But acceptance. The main issue of humanity is to be accepted. Where where is our acceptance? In the beloved. In Him. It's not in our spouse. It's not in our job. It's not in our children. It's not in the car you drive. It's not in the sports team you follow. It's in who? It's in Him. Because you know what will happen? Your spouse will disappoint you. Your car will break down. Your sports team will disappoint you. You're going to let yourself down, but he never does. The riches. Paul says, I want to know him. And the way that I get to know him is by that revealed, written word of God. And I'm going to come along and I'm going to study out. Come over to 2 Timothy 2. You see, folks, the only way to get to see who you are in Christ, the only way you get to take those riches, that wealth that God has given us in his son, and to bring them into your life, into the details of your life, is because he's made them known in Scripture. 2 Timothy 2, verse number 7. Probably a verse that has jumped out on the pages more to me than ever before all over the years. Consider what I, who's the I? Paul. Say. And the Lord give the understanding in all things. Well, Rick, I just don't understand it. That's okay. We'll get in the book and study it. I get to know him. To know Jesus Christ, folks, you need to know what that book says about him. And when you begin to understand his thinking process, go back to Philippians there. When you begin to understand his thinking process, the thinking process that he has, that issue in chapter 2, let this mind be in you, you begin to understand that. Then you really get to know him. You know that's the case, isn't it? Uh, you're in. Uh, stop on your way back there in Thessalonians. Thessalonians uh, First <clears throat> Thessalonians, five. First Thessalonians five. Wonderful verse here that Paul talking about leadership and 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 the local assembly and so forth comes along this this way. Notice First Thessalonians five. Notice verse number twelve. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them. Which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. I'm talking about the local assembly. Local assembly is to be at peace. It's not it's never to be at war. But you see that thing about knowing them that are over you? To know them is 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 he's not talking about, hey Rick, how you doing? I know Rick, yeah. Hey, I know Bruce, I know Mark. I know Greg. I know Brian. I know those guys. No, to know them is to what? Know them. Spend time. How do they think about this? How would Rick think about this? Because sometimes Rick doesn't react appropriately. Why? I got the same problem you do. I like to be right. Never. I don't like being wrong. Do you? Well, all right, you're holier than me. Look at you guys. <laughs> No, what happens? Hey, I, I want to know him. He, Paul has just gotten done telling the Thessalonians. Look over there in chapter number 1. Look at the end of verse number 5. As ye know what manner of men we were among you. See, Paul said, there's people come up against the Thessalonians accusing Paul of doing stuff, and he says, you guys know better. Why? Because you know me. We spent time together. We were working together. We had lunch together. We, we spent time. How do you get to know the Lord? you got to go spend time with him. Where do we find him? In the written word. You see, folks, to know him is, come back to Philippians now, to know him is not to get a zap and then you got it all. Dad used to say he doesn't bore a hole in your head and then dump it all in. To get to know him is to, is to come along and to personally spend some time renewing your mind. Personally spending some time at the intake of the sound doctrine. Coming along and, and spending some time saying, you know what, Lord, I, I've, I've read through this. I'm going to read through it again. I, have you ever read through a passage and you go, you know what, I never saw that before? Folks, that's getting to know him. You know, <laughs> I, I love the illustration of the onion. You begin to peel it back. I'm not talking about the onion doctrine. You look that up on your own. Don't don't look it up. It's okay. But we're talking, you think about it. You, you, You begin to peel things back, and you know what happens? It goes deeper and deeper and deeper. You know, you go, man, I didn't see that before. Wow, look at that. Oh, man, now this verse fits that verse, and that verse fits that verse. Oh great! And then, then you put that train in the back of your mind. You start working on another train, and the next thing you know, you got both trains hooked up. See, that's getting to know him, and that's what Paul says. After thirty-five years of service, he goes, "I got to get to know him even more." And the way I'm going to do that, it's not just collecting the data, getting the information. It's by taking God's word and that inner man. And then go appropriate. Put it into the details of life. To do that, you, first of all, you got to know you need it. Too often times, we don't think we need the information. By the way, you, you know you need it when it's too late, when things have crashed down around you. But then, once you understand you know to need it, now you got to know where to get it. And if you've been putting it in all along. When you need it, you don't have far to go to get it. And you know what happens? And this book comes real to you. So he says, "And the power of his resurrection. I want his resurrection, his life." The angels look at the ladies when they come to the grave, and he says, "Why are you looking for the lo- for the living among the dead?" His resurrection, His life. I want to know the power of His life, and I want that to be what's living in me. I want to know. I want to know what it is to be a rock star. I want to know what it is to have everything. I, I, we're talking spiritually, okay? Don't <laughs> believe me. You don't want me singing, okay? I want to know. I know that I'm rich. And I want to know what that's like to have on a daily basis as I go through. You see, folks, he's talking about life here. Every day, we make mistakes, we drop the ball. Then we have a great morning and a lousy afternoon, right? No? Hey, I do. I had one already today. I'll have another one later, I'm sure. Not really, not on Sunday, yesterday, tomorrow. You know why? Can we go back to work tomorrow? <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You see, folks, he says, I want to know the power of his resurrection. And again, he's not talking about justification because we've already dealt with that. He's got, later going to tell them to work out their own, what, salvation, right? He's already He told them that in chapter 2. What salvation would that be? From the adversaries and the terrified? The, they've been terrified by the adversaries in chapter 1. got to work that stuff out. Figure out how to handle that stuff. He's not talking about justification. He's talking about your walk in time. I want to know him. I want to come along and say, what's hanging on the back wall? Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. There's my identity. There's I get to know him. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Wow. How did I get his life? Resurrection. I want to I know. I want to have his life be what is valuable in my life. I want to come along and live in the Romans 6, 7, and 8 doctrines. I want to come along and know that, hey, I'm dead to sin and I'm alive to God. I can choose to come over here and live as who I am and not to serve that. And all of that comes because I get to know him and the power of his resurrection. And then he says something that everybody kind of fumbles. And the fellowship of his suffering. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. The last of the 3 is probably the one that gets kicked down the road the most. Come over to Colossians chapter 1 with me. Back to Colossians 1. <clears throat> Do you see folks, the goal here is who? Him. He's a goal. His life, knowing him, studying that word, getting it in it, having that word become real to you. Have you ever had those days when you re- you, you know a verse, something happens And that verse becomes alive. Ooh, that's what he was talking about. (laughs) Yeah, those are great days. Colossians chapter one, look at verse 24. Paul says, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. I I read that. When he talks about the fellowship of his sufferings, He's talking about here to know him personally so that it's the life of Christ that's living in you so that I can understand and I might know him in that fellowship area of his suffering. Come back to Philippians. You see, folks, fellowship. uh, Look at Philippians 1. Fellows in a ship, we share it in common, don't we? You're not going to go hang on Calvary's tree and go through what he went through at Calvary. I'm sorry. You did it spiritually, as we understand through Paul's revelation. What are we talking about the fellowship of his sufferings? Well, here's an idea for you to kick around. Look at Philippians 1 in verse 29. For unto you it is given in behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, "...but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which ye saw in me, and now here to be in me." How did Paul suffer for his sake? He didn't climb back up on Calvary and say, nail me. But what did he do? He's out there in the power of his resurrection. He's out there in knowing him. He's preaching, he's teaching, yea, all those who will live godly shall suffer persecution. He's taking a stand for the word of God rightly divided. He's preaching that. You go back through his Acts ministry, you know, they wanted to skin him alive from day one. And he sits there and says, bring it on, baby. All you're going to do is promote me to glory. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Bring it on, I don't care. You go over there and and he's left for dead outside of those Derby and Lystra. He gets right back up and goes right back into those cities, preaching the word, preaching the truth. Notice that verse carefully in Philippians 1. He says, yeah, it's wonderful that we all believe in him, but there's also a suffering side. And that suffering there comes from living godly. You suffer... in in basically three categories or ways. One, you suffer, according to Romans 8, in the sin-cursed creation. You know why you get gray and get old, get sick, and you die? You know the moment you're born, you're dying? Figure that one out. Yeah, you're welcome. See? Why? Because there's a a curse placed on creation at Romans 8. But in Galatians, you know what he says? You're going to reap what you sow. You make some dumb decisions, you're going to reap consequences for the dumb decisions. Galatians 6 there. Then in Timothy, he says, you're going to suffer when you choose to live godly. You see, folks, when he says, and to know the fellowship of his sufferings, he's talking about something on a deeper level than just Romans 8 and, and Galatians, he's talking about you make the choice in your life to come along and to live as who you are in Christ and, well, as the guy said, damn the torpedoes, here we come. And you make a choice in your life to live as who you are in Christ, you know what you're going to do? You're going to suffer. You think about the Lord. He's betrayed by his number one guy, Peter. His own family doubts him. His own followers, Thomas after the resurrection, still doubts him. (laughs) And his archenemy is after him Saul of Tarsus. That's pretty tough. It's really tough when your family is against you. It's hard. It hurts. But why are they against you? Because what did you do? You spoke the truth. Did you follow that? So when he talks here about the fellowship of his sufferings, he's not talking about some mystical thing. He's talking about in life when you've chosen to know him. And to have His life, the power of His resurrection, be what's charging, energizer bunnying your life, moving you. He says, "Now you're going to suffer some things." Dad always says, "When the the character of a man is really told, when the lights go out and it gets dark, when nobody can see, the lights are out. What are you going to do?" well, I'm going to make a choice to do this and live and have a godly life, have a godly family, have a godly everything. You're going to take it, and it's going to hurt. And you're going to bellyache and say, you know what, it wasn't me. Oh, I didn't know this. And he says, I have been there. Paul's heart's desire Was to come along and to know him. He's my focus. And though I had it all, I counted it but loss. I don't know if you've ever thought about Paul, Saul Paul. I have as a guy, as a as a person, as a man. He's just like you and I. He had flesh. They beat the living snot out of him a bunch of times. Go read chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians. They leave him for dead. Go, go over there. 2 Corinthians 11. We'll close here on a happy note. 2 Corinthians 11. You see, folks, when he says, I want to know him, Philippians 3 there, he didn't just, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. <laughs> Give me your email. I'll drop you a line every now and then. He says, no, come on over. In Ephesians 3, he says that Jesus Christ might dwell in your hearts by faith. Dwell at home. What do you do when you get home? Change your clothes, don't you? You get comfortable, don't you? Kick the shoes off. Turn the TV onto your channel or the wife's channel. That's what you do, don't you? Paul says, I want to know that. I want to know his life. But I also don't want to miss out on the suffering part because it's a it's a it's a check mark that i'm allowing the word of god to be and his life to be the center of my life second corinthians 11 there at corinth there's been some a guy running around causing trouble believe it or not and he's got himself all puffed up he's done split the church there at corinth he's got it in in chaos And Paul's rebuking them down there, verse 19. For ye suffer fools gladly, seeing yourselves are wise. For ye suffer if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt him, if a man smite you on the face. You guys are letting that legalistic guy down there beat the tar out of you. None of that is spiritual. All of that is physical. Could you imagine allowing a guy come up and tell you you're If you don't do this, then you're going to hell, and then punching you, physically balled up a fist and smite you. they They were letting it happen. I speak, verse 21, as concerning reproach, as though we had been weak. Howbeit, whensoever any is bold. I love that. I speak foolishly. I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? Again, I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundantly in stripes, above measure in prisons, more frequently in deaths, off of the Jews five times, where I received I forty stripes, save one, thrice Was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. By the way, in Acts there's a fourth shipwreck not listed here. A night and a day and I have been in the deep, and journey's often in perils of water. And you see all those perils there? He didn't get a chance to Uber to the next town. He couldn't catch the airlines and get over. He's hoofing it. And the highwaymen were waiting for him. In Acts, the lewd men of the baser sorts, the Jews went and get. They go get the mob. They put the word out. The word's on the vine. When you see this guy pulling, riding that and this, get him. He's got money, even though he's got nothing. Could you imagine being beaten with rods? Do you know what that would look? Have you ever seen a broken, whatever this bone is? I just, I just had it in my head. Could, a broken arm. Have you ever seen one? When it's happened, and the guy's screaming, and all you can do is go, ouch, oh, that hurt. (laughs) Not have the medical science that we have today to set it back right. No wonder the Corinthians says his appearances. Look at what's happened to him. Verse 27, in weariness and painful and watchings often and hunger and thirst and fasting's often, and cold, and nakedness. Look at that. Here's a man that is up in the high stratus of the Jews' religion, and now he's down in the gutter. And he says, I counted all that loss. I count this stuff gain. This is where I want to be. Why did he get there? Because he chose. To have Christ be his goal. He chose to have Christ be his focus. He chose to stand for the truth rightly divided. He made a choice. Yea, all those that will live godly. That's the fellowship of his sufferings. That's what he's talking about here. By the way, I like verse 28. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. He goes, not only was I dealing with the world out there, then I'm dealing with you, ye, who's over here, who can't get you. You're so mixed up, you are got to let the guy beat you up. The law, the law guys are beating on you. Then he says, verse 29, who is weak and I am not weak, who is offended and I burn not. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forever, knoweth that I lie not. Woo! Paul says, the Lord knows. And by the way, who's your judge? The Lord is. (laughs) You know what he says? Let's get on with it. What's my focus? My focus is to know him. And when I get to know him, you know what I get to know? I get to know the power of his life, of his resurrection working in my life. And you know what that causes me to do then? Also to come over here and enjoy the fellowship of his suffering. Because you know what? It's not I, but Christ. What's the worst thing that anyone could ever do to you? Send you to glory. I'm sorry. I'm not hoping on anybody, but that's what it is. So what are we waiting for? What are you waiting for? Well, you know, no. Yea, all those who will live godly. It's a choice of the will. Get on with it. He's my life, he's my mind, he's my focus, and you know what? And in the in the moment of all of that, all that oh man, you know what he says? We'll get this next week. I'm also your strength, because without me, you can never go through any of this other, and you need me. Okay, you guys follow that? All right, new year. By the way, it's 2020. Make sure you're writing that on everything. Don't just hang the 20 out there. They'll mess you up. The crooks are crooks. Crooks didn't get crooked. No no more crooked. Okay? It's 2020. So we're in the roaring 20s. (laughs) Not really. Okay? Folks, it's a great day to be in the work of the ministry. It really is. To see people get saved, to see the saved then come to the knowledge of the truth. It's a wonderful day. But it's a day that takes, today takes some gumption, takes some backbone. It takes some, hey, we're going to get on with it, damn the torpedoes, straight ahead, let's go. That's what we've got to do. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we just thank you for who we are in you, for everything that you've given to us in your Son. And for everything that we have in him, we'll just say thank you for that, and we give you the honor and the glory and the praise. In your name we pray. Amen.